pray together. Father, this morning we are grateful that in Jesus Christ you make us new, that in Jesus Christ you give us new heart, new passions, new desires, new open door walk into your presence. This morning we open our hearts as you have opened them and made them alive to hear your word, to be changed by you, to take ways that we have thought up to this point and change them, to take ways that we have viewed life and alter them that they might conform to your word and to your image. So, Father, we, we place ourselves before you to learn and to be changed. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Glad you're here with us today. Welcome to uh, the spring and the season of storms in Texas, right? Yeah, it's that season where... Um, one day you're wearing a coat and gloves, and the next day you're in shorts and flip-flops, right? It's, it's the day you leave work in the morning and you're in sleeves, and the day it's the same day you come home and you thought, why didn't I bring a raincoat? You know, because it's pouring down rain. It's the day you get up in the morning and it's beautiful and clear, and it's that same day you come home in the afternoon and you're under a tornado watch, right? It's, it's Texas. So if you're new to Texas, this is all normal for us. It's just what we do here in Texas. You know, when I was growing up, I actually was terrified of storms. And it got so bad that, it's going to sound silly, but for me it was very real at the time. To even see clouds in the sky put me into kind of a panic attack. And uh, it was very difficult as a child for me. And uh, terrified at school. And terrified of, of the day and storms that were going to come. And then... I found out that there was a group of people who actually liked storms, and that people that uh, actually pursued storms, if they found there was one coming, they would get in their car to go toward it. They wanted to see it. They wanted to stand by the window and watch it. And I was like, you people are crazy. I'm the one hiding in my room, getting in the closet, doing all this kind of stuff. But I learned to appreciate and see God in the storms. I had a, a man who was much older in the faith than me who kind of walked me through some of that, and it really settled my soul for me for when those storms came. But there's another group of people who are maybe even a bit more extreme when it comes to storms than just the ones who like to stand in the window and watch it. They are called storm chasers. They are the people who get in their sometimes armored trucks and cars and head toward the most severe and violent of storms. They are packed with equipment for recording, analyzing, and retrieving all the information that they can about the storm. And they get almost a high about going into the storm. The closer in they get, the more real they find that they're, they're on the edge of the tornado. They're following this massive storm. The more excited they get. I've watched some of these guys on YouTube, and you think, Man, you guys are crazy. I mean, they're like, whoa, there it is, let's go. I'm like, no, let's go. And, but they are all in to chase the storm because they see in it great power. They, they see things they can learn in it, and they see things they can learn to help other people be protected from the storms. In this series, we're going to be talking about what it means to face the storms that come our way in life Find shelter in Christ, but not just be ones who find shelter in Christ, but find so much confidence in Christ that we are able to stand up when the storm comes, 
face it and even walk toward it and glory in the storm. Amen? That's where we're headed. Now, you may be like me and think, I'm not there yet. That's okay. This is just the first week of the series. Amen? We're just starting today. Hope you enjoy the umbrellas and the rain feel here in the room. All right? Cool. So, as we all know, life, life has storms in it. Jesus said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There are obvious consequences that come to those who choose to walk outside of God's ways. But those who are walking in faith, those who are walking in obedience, those who are following Christ with their whole heart still face storms. And it has nothing to do with their sin, but all to do with God's purposes in our life. Amen? Amen. God calls us as his children, saints, and those he's made more than conquerors in Jesus Christ to not fear the storms, not run from the storms, not be crushed by the storms, but to see him in the storm, to have faith in the storm. After this week, for the next several weeks, you're going to hear the stories of people here at Vertical. We're going to sit here on stage with some people that you probably know already who have been or are in the midst of some very difficult storms. Some have come through and they've seen God's kind of full picture in the storm. Some are still in the midst of it and it's painful and it's raw and it's difficult and it's challenging but all of them are learning to be storm chasers through their storm. Now, you don't, just, um, you don't just become a storm chaser overnight. I know Brad Vandenberg likes to do this kind of stuff. If, there's a, if, you, if you find out there's a tornado watch or a tornado warning, I can just about guarantee you Brad is not at his house at that moment. <laughs> and it's not because he's afraid. It's because he's going to go see that tornado wherever it is. And I think that's crazy. But he sees power in it. He sees strength in it and enjoys seeing what's there. But Brad didn't just stumble upon that. Brad is not a, a licensed storm chaser, but he has some experience. And anyone who is an official storm chaser, they've been in some training. They, they did some things to help them get to that place. I do not advise you just to get in your car and go chase down a storm this spring when it comes. You would need to have some vital training because you can get yourself into a lot of trouble if you don't. You see, when storms come our way in life, it requires training as well. Really. If you don't have some training in God's Word and in faith, you'll end up more of a casualty of the storm than a chaser of the storm. Storms do a funny thing to us, too. They... Um, I'm talking about storms of life now. I'm talking about the stuff that just comes on unexpected, the stuff that you weren't counting on, the, the tragedy, the loss, the struggle, the pain, the stuff that you weren't counting on when it all of a sudden happens. It has a way of really kind of doing some funny things to our mind. After a while, the storm just 
when the winds are keep blowing and the, and the problems just keep going and you can't seem to get anywhere with it and you've prayed and you're not getting any answers yet, that's when it starts to have an effect on us. It's when some questions start entering our mind. It's some things that start happening deep within our mind and spirit. We start asking some questions like, God, where are you? I, I thought you promised to be with me. I thought you were for me. And these questions just start plaguing us. God, why is this happening to me? I've served you. I've walked with you. God, what, where are you? What are you doing? What's happened? What have I done? God, do you even care? Do you see what starts happening? We start seeing the storms, and they have a way of, of, of hiding, if we're not careful, God's presence from us. They have a way of bringing in the darkness and, and the cover, and they make us ask more questions. If we're not careful, the enemy uses that moment. He's very deceptive. He's very covert. He's very opportunistic because he knows this is a moment you're vulnerable. He knows this is a moment you're weak. He knows this is a moment you're asking some questions and you're all exposed because of the storm and he starts his work right there. He starts his work of, of planting even greater doubts and what you once had as a question, he begins now putting in as accusations. God doesn't care about you. You see, it changes from a question to more of a, a confirmation. That's what the enemy likes to do. God is not really for you. God is out to get you. You can't trust him. You need to find your own way. There's no place of peace in him. He's out to destroy you. And the enemy is just casting those lies one after another. And he knows how to take advantage of the storm and do that our lives we start believing the lies we get to the place where we're we're the ones saying i could never be happy again this is never going to get better i guess i should just walk away from church and faith i guess i should just be done we turn to scripture today for answers to the questions Romans chapter 5 is where we are today in the New Testament. Turn to the book of Romans. If you've got your Bible app, you've got your Bible, turn there. We're in the first five verses. And let me go ahead and grab my Bible right down here. Excuse me, Riley. Hi. Chapter 5, I want to read all five verses first, and we'll come back and uh, break these down. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Ooh, five powerful verses that we're going we're gonna to sit at the table of right now and, and eat and feast on the truth that God has for us here. Romans chapter 5, of course, comes after Romans chapter 1 through 4. There you go. There's your big truth moment for the day. Romans 5 comes after 1 through 4. You see, in 1 through 4, 
Paul has written, and he has really just kind of laid everybody out as far as who is a sinner and who's not. Everybody is a sinner. You're born in sin. You are condemned in sin. And you are not made right by your religious efforts. You're not made right by what you think you can do to earn favor with God. The only way you could ever be made right with God is by a man, a Savior, coming and paying for your sin and giving righteousness to you. And Jesus does that. And Romans 1 through 4 paints that beautiful picture and says, the way to be made right with God is by faith. By receiving what he has done. Not working to get what he has, but by faith receiving what he has done already. So Romans 5 begins with that really key word, therefore. He starts here in verse 1 with this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, stay with me here for a moment because... Strange as it may seem, it's at this part in a message that some people start drifting, okay? If you've been around the church a long time or you've been around Christianity a long time, you're going to hear these verses and you've heard them so many times and your mind is going to be tempted to drift. But I'm going to tell you, Scripture works in a very key process. Doctrine, application. Doctrine first, application next. Don't make application until you know the doctrine. When you know the truth then you can apply it. Don't try to apply it until you know the truth. Know the truth well, then apply it. I think I've said that enough this morning, all right? But it's very, very important that you know the truth before you make application. And so he starts with this huge foundational truth that when you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified. You are called clean. You are called righteous. You are actually, the Bible says, called holy. He declares you that. You are declared justified. You are declared in the same status that Jesus is before the Father. Amen? That's some big old foundational truth. And that alone can be difficult to take in because I know what's going through your mind right now. I don't feel very holy. I don't feel very just. I don't feel very clean. But our faith is not based on our feelings. It's based on what Jesus has accomplished and what we are believing. Amen? Amen. So it is all right. In fact, it is necessary that you understand if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified completely by faith. If you need to say that in your head right now, just go ahead and do that. Because I'm telling you, there's a process here. And the application we're going to get to will not have its strength and power until you declare this in your own mind and heart. You have been justified by faith. Jesus died for you while you were still in your sin, while you were an enemy, while you were addicted to yourself, while you could not do anything to clean yourself up, while you needed to be redeemed, when you were hopeless, it is then that Christ died for you. And he declared us by faith righteous. Mm. Because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have 
absolute, final, settled peace. There's no more war between us and God and God and us. There's no more place, should not be another place, for doubt, for uncertainty, or for thinking that I could somehow even lose what God has done for me. That when I have received Christ, I have been eternally redeemed, not with the blood of lambs here on earth, but with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And it is settled there in heaven. Your salvation is permanent. It is secure because it's not based on what you have done. It's based on what he has done. And therefore, you have peace, settled peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through whether or not you had a good week this past week or not, but through Jesus Christ. Not through your ability to never sin again, but through Jesus Christ. It begins here. I have peace with God. He is not out to get me. He is not out to destroy me. He is for me. He has settled the war. He has given victory to me. I have peace with God. No more condemnation. I have peace with God. No more rejection. I have peace with God. No more fear. I have peace with God. No more uncertainty about his love for me. I have peace with God. No more insecurity about my identity anymore. I have peace with God. No more question about my standing. He's accepted me. He's justified me. He has declared me clean and his own. Amen? Paul starts with these big truths, this big foundational element that we must start with. This is storm chaser training 101. You want to chase some storms in your life? You want to be the one who's pursuing them instead of them pursuing you? You want to be the one who has peace in the midst of it? Then you've got to get down Storm Chaser 101. You have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 2, it begins with these words. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So here's the picture. It's like a room here. He's painting for us here. He said there's this place called grace in which you stand. There's a, there's a place that you're standing. It's called the place of grace. And in this place of grace, you are experiencing and you have everything that Jesus has. There, you are loved in the same way the Father loves the Son. Mm. There, you have peace with the Father in the same way the Father has peace with the Son. There's no conflict between Jesus and the Father. Jesus doesn't have to wonder, I wonder if he likes me today. I wonder if he's out to get me today. Jesus doesn't struggle with any of that. And he invites us to stand, stand in that place. He didn't say crawl into it and grovel. He didn't say, get over in the corner and put your nose in it because you don't even deserve to be here. You don't, but by grace you're here. Yeah. 
And he says, we have come into this place and now we stand in it. He has asked you to stand up from your sin. Stand up from your disobedience. Stand up from where you've been and he will clothe us. He'll redeem us. He'll wash us. He'll justify us. And you stand in this place of grace we don't deserve, but he gives us by grace. But he makes it clear the way you got into this space, into this space of grace, wasn't by what you did. He makes it clear through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. How do you get into that room where Jesus is? You come through the door of Jesus and you come through faith. You come believing what Jesus has done for you. You receive it. You come in by faith. For by grace are you saved through? That's it. You've come into the place of grace by faith and you stand here justified and I'm with you hey I don't wake up every day and say whoo I feel so justified redeemed cleansed and holy today I don't wake up like that but what I do wake up doing is putting faith ahead of my feelings putting faith ahead of my circumstances putting faith ahead of my fears and I stand where I don't feel like I should even be walking into. But this is what it means to grow up in, mature in, and be in the faith. So this is where Paul's walking us. We stand in this place of grace. Here's kind of our first big truth this morning. Storm Chaser 101. Storm Chasers have unshakable confidence of God's heart toward them in Christ. This is where it begins. If you want to chase some storms down in your life, if you want to see life differently, if you want to experience some peace, then you've got to settle this truth. This place where you have unshakable confidence, you know for certain you are in Christ and you rest there. You settle the matter there. You come in, if you need to confess, you confess and you're done and you're in and you stand there. You do away with doubts and fears and accusations that keep you struggling with even whether you're saved or not. You settle the matter once and for all. Storm Chaser 101. Because remember, the storm will do funny things to your mind. You get into a storm long enough, it'll make you want to forget this right here. It'll cause you to question this right here. It'll cause you to struggle with this truth. You get in the storm and the winds are blowing and the, and the thoughts are racing and the problems are occurring and you can't change them and they just keep coming and the news gets worse. This will be the first thing that the enemy will attack. And this is what we have to settle 101. I am secure in Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the second part of verse 2. He says, and... We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I love this part of the verse right here. Here's what we do. We stand in this place and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, a little bit of background here. Because if we're reading this Texan style, you know, we all have a definition in our head about what hope is, right? We hope we get something back from the IRS, 
right? Or tax returns kind of deal, right? You hope that's going to happen. You hope your taxes won't be so high. You see, hope for us means we wish, but it's probably not going to happen, right? We hope the Cowboys have a better season. We hope the Rangers at least make it to the playoffs. I'm telling you, it's wishes that aren't going to come true, right? <laughs> hey, I'm a Ranger fan. But that's what I'm talking You know what I'm talking about here. Hope is one of those things. It's a wish that we have, but we really would be actually very surprised if it happened, right? That is contrary to the way the Bible uses hope. Completely contrary. And so you're going to have to set aside your Texan to understand what Jesus is saying to the, through the Scriptures to us today. We rejoice in hope, not hope that says, well, it'd be nice, probably not going to happen. No. The Bible says hope is a picture of confidence. I know with certainty it's going to happen. I don't question whether it's going to. I don't wish. I know for sure it's going to happen. I have confidence in it. And I don't care if the circumstances right now tell me it's not. I have confidence in Christ. This is the walk of faith. I have confidence in what God says in spite of what my circumstances say. And so I rejoice in hope, confidence, certainty of the glory of God. Now let's... Let's unpack this just a little bit. Let's think about somebody in the Bible who had hope, who had something they held to when their circumstances looked as though it was impossible. Let's think about Abraham. Abraham's given a promise that he would be the father of many nations. At a time when Abraham was old and his wife was barren, in other words, it was impossible for her to have any children her womb was dead. She could not have children. But God makes a promise that is different than the circumstance. God makes a, a promise that's different than what it looks like right now. And the Bible's clear in the book of Romans that Abraham believed God. This is, some, this is from Romans 4. Just make a note and come back to this later. Abraham believed God who makes the dead live and calls the things which do not exist as though they do exist. For he who beyond hope believed on hope, I think the King James says believed against hope, for him to become the father of many nations. Yeah. Abraham could have, could have said to God, well, I hope that works out. <laughs> That's crazy, huh? Me, a father of many nations, her, the mom. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I hope so. You know, that's how most of us approach it. I hope so. I, I don't know. No, Abraham believed with hope against hope. He had faith against the circumstances. He believed something that God had said when it seemed impossible in the moment. All right? It goes on in that same passage, and it says, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, being about 100 years old, the Bible says, 
or the deadening of Sarah's womb. He did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Abraham had faith when the storm of unbelief would have been easy to get caught up in. When the storm of circumstances didn't match what God said, he could have easily cratered in the whole thing. He had faith and he used it. He was strong in the faith and he pursued God. He pursued in the midst of a storm. But it says here he had this kind of confidence, this kind of certainty, this hope, this rock-solid confidence in spite of what the circumstances were. But look what we're to have hope in. Look at it. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul is saying to us, as those who have been brought into the place of grace by faith, justified from your sin, made at peace with God. Now, now we live with hope, confidence that we are going to experience the glory of God. Amen, yeah. Hope, confidence, not wishing, not surprised that it happened, but confident, surprised if it doesn't, confident we are going to experience the glory of God. Now, here's where a lot of believers kind of check out on this deal because they say, oh, yes, that's talking about heaven. There'll be a time in heaven where we will experience the full radiant glory of God. But what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in Romans is not that day. He's talking about today. Today. You and I experiencing the glory of God now. You know when it's the hardest to perceive or even think that there could be the glory of God. It's in the midst of a storm, right? It's in that moment when things are chaotic and out of control that you have to wonder, God, where are you? The last thing you even think about is that God would show up in glory, that he would reveal his glory. But that's really his goal here for us in this life. Let me read a couple of verses to you that will kind of nail down this truth. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus himself said in John 17, 22, and the glory, he's talking to the Father, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So, look, there'll be glory one day, but I'm not living this life just for glory one day. I'm living this life by faith for glory today. Amen? I want to see the reality of God. I want to see the glory of God. 
I want to see him strong. I want to see him powerful. I want to see him providing. I want to see his mercy. I want to see his truth. I want to see him do glorious things. And the scripture says that is what we stand in the midst of. We stand not wishing that that could happen, but with certain confidence it's going to happen. We rejoice in it. We find our passion in it. We look forward at life and say, come on, life. God has me. God's justified me. Let's bring it on because I rejoice in the confidence of God show me his glory. Amen? Hello? That's an amen moment. It really is. This is one of those moments where you may not understand it all yet, but you agree with it by faith. Amen? Yeah, well, all right. So... So here's, here's another big truth for us today. This is, this is Storm Chaser 101 still. Here we go. Storm chasers live in anticipation of experiencing God's glory. It's how you live. Now all of a sudden, you don't, you don't live taking in what's happening here. You live taking in what's been said from here. And then you analyze what happens here. You don't look at this and wonder where he is. You look at him and you know where he is. This is how we do it. This is how we live now by faith. And we're confident of it. We're anticipating it. We're looking forward to it. We believe it's going to happen. I'm telling you, like I talked about last week, whatever you begin your day looking for, you're going to find. You know that, don't you? If you go out looking for people to not talk to you, be rude to you, cut you off in traffic, I promise you, you'll find them. And you'll develop a whole mindset about all those people. In fact, you did before it ever happened, and they just confirmed everything you were believing already. It's true. If you start your day, however, with, God, you have given me the ministry of reconciliation. That's what you've done in my life, and you've called me to help be a reconciler of people to people and people to God. I'm going to look for that in my life today. Hey, that'll change the way you see some things. It really will. Here's the deal. That same guy's going to cut you off in traffic but you'll see him differently now. You'll see him differently now because you've chosen to be what God said you're to be. You have set your mind on it. Your perspective will determine your path. It'll determine your attitudes. It'll determine where you're going. And if you start off your day confident, assured, knowing God's going to show me his glory today. I'm, I'm rejoicing in the hope of that. Not wishing, but confidence. I'm confident it's going to happen. God, I'm going to look for you today. I'm going to wait for you today. I can't wait to see where you're going to work, God. I promise you you'll see him not because of my word but because of his word we rejoice in hope of the glory of god we're building it we're building our lesson here we're 101 storm chasers right so how do we do all of this i'm glad you asked romans 5 verse 3 here we go and not only that but we also glory in tribulations what what this all sounded great. This all sounded like good church amen stuff up to this point, And now it's gone into real life. What? We glory in tribulations? Well, maybe that Greek word means something different. No, it means glory. Well, maybe tribulations means something else. No, it just means terrible times. It's just what it is. He says, this is what we do in this place that we now stand, knowing we have peace with God. We've been justified. Now we glory in tribulations. We, we, we find a passion in them. We kind of take a delight in them. 
We kind of look crazy to the world out there because we see trouble coming like, hey, how's it going, trouble? Come on, let's do this. We're up in it. We're chasing it. You've just become a storm chaser. Amen. That's what happens. You start glorying in tribulations. You start finding this curious, odd delight in it. You start finding something that pushes you to go up into it, that makes you go out into risky places, that makes you do things you wouldn't have normally done, that makes the world look at you and say you're crazy, but you've got this peace inside you. You don't worry about anymore if God's left you. You know he's with you. You don't worry anymore about if God's going to bless you because you know he's blessed you. You don't worry anymore about whether you're really saved or not because you know you've been justified by faith and you have peace with God. You see, if you don't have that peace, if you're not standing in the grace, if you're not standing there by faith, you'll end up like so many people do today. Casualties of storms. Trouble comes. Difficulties come. And they get angry. They get really angry. Pretty soon they're yelling at their family. Pretty soon they're out of control. Pretty soon they've, it's settled even deeper. It's become a point of bitterness. Now everybody they're angry at. That's what happens when the root of bitterness begins. It doesn't matter who it is, how nice they are to you, you're mad at them. It doesn't matter what they've done for you, you question it. It doesn't matter what they've done for you up to that point, how nice they were. When a root of bitterness is taken hold, you only see bitterness. You become envious of others, not in the storms. You're depressed. You're weighed down so deep, you can't even imagine what it would be like to see light and hope again. I've been in that spot. You start hiding away from others. You start turning to other things to make you feel better. The pain's too great. The confusion is too immense. So anything else seems better some escape, maybe drugs, alcohol, wrong friends, wrong places, immorality, wrong relationships, and you're desperate for something to make you feel better. And the Apostle Paul says, we don't have to live that way. We can glory in storm not crushed by it we take glory in it how do I do that God that seems so far away from where I am God that seems so foreign to my way of thinking scripture is complete and it helps us the very next part of the verse says this we can do this knowing that tribulation produces perseverance you see when storms come and you choose by faith to stand in it 
you choose by faith to say, God, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to freak out in this moment because I know I have peace with you. And if there's a storm here, I can trust you in the storm. I don't have to think this storm is you condemning me. I don't have to think this is the storm that you've sent to make me have to pay for all my sin. That was done by Christ. I have peace with God. So now I see the storm very differently. I can stand in it. I can stand and even glory in it. I can stand with confidence because I have peace with God. And, and when a couple of storms or more come through and that happens, it has an effect. It has power. This verse says that that kind of tribulation, it produces perseverance. You let someone have faith and they walk through a storm and they come out on the other side and they're praising God. They've learned from it. They've been shaped by it. You let another storm come, they're not near as panicked as they were before. They weather it. They see Christ in it. And they say, he delivered me the last time, he'll deliver me this time. And they walk through it. They go through life and another storm comes. This one's a double storm. It's bigger. It's more powerful. It's, it's bigger than anything they've ever seen before. But it comes and it hits them and they say, my God delivered me once and twice. He'll do it again. I, I learned something the last time in the storm. I saw Jesus in a way I hadn't seen before in the storm. So I'm ready to, I'm ready to weather the storm again. And they all of a sudden have been shaped. God has shaped them. And now they have what this verse calls as perseverance. They've got, they've got the ability to weather a storm. They've got the ability to survive and do well. And those who are trained by it. This verse says they not only have perseverance, but they, they weather some more storms. They, they walk through them again. They even go up and help other people in their storms, and they weather those. And it does something to them. It begins to shape them. They don't just have some perseverance. The verse says it actually produces character. You see, character is who you are deep inside. Character is not just what you do in a moment in a crowd. Character is not when you put on your smiley face on a Sunday in the midst of the storm. Character goes deeper than that, and it gives you peace. This is now who you are, no matter whether you're here at church or here at home or at work. It becomes you. The storm has shaped you. God has worked in you, and now you have been changed by Him at work in your life. Yeah. It started off just as a storm, but it became something that developed perseverance in you. And then it went a little further. It actually changed who you were as a person. And people start talking to you that, they, that knew you five years ago, knew you ten years ago, and they say, there's something different about you. You, you. you just seem very different. Tell me what's happened in your life. And they recognize your character has changed. You've weathered the storm. But that's not where the verse ends. It says that this character after it has formed 
and shaped, it produces one more thing. It produces hope. And guess what the word for hope means? Rock solid confidence, certainty that God will provide. God will be present. God will deliver me. God will show his glory. When you're trained by the storm in this way, when you're trained by God in this way, you become a beacon of hope for others in their storms. You have hope. You know. You don't just wish. You don't just think it would be great. You have absolute confidence that God is going to work and deliver you from the storm. It all happened because you started with the belief that there is peace with God through Christ. Let's wrap up the verse here. It says in verse 5 at the beginning, Now hope does not disappoint. We've all had the experience of being disappointed. You bought something on sale at the store and thought, This is going to be a great deal. And it lasted for about a day, and then it broke. I remember one time Heather and I and it took our kids. We didn't have a lot of money at the time, but we wanted to get them something. And we said, let's take them to the Dollar Tree and give them a couple of dollars, and they can each get something. We thought, this will be great. They'll get some treasures, and they'll trinkets, and they'll take them home and play with them. We did it. We bought the stuff. I'm a fan of Dollar Tree, but I'm going to tell you, those toys didn't last the ride home, <laughs> right? They disappointed the kids and us. Man, there's a lot of places to turn today for a little bit of help. You can turn to some people sometimes, but you know that people will disappoint you. You can turn to some things that you think will give you some pleasure for a moment, but they'll disappoint you. But I'm going to tell you what. If you've weathered a storm and you develop perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, you get this hope within you and it absolutely never disappoints you. God always comes through. He always provides. He always reveals His glory. Big truth. Storm chasers refuse to look for peace or relief in anything except Christ alone. I'm here. I'm here, God. I'm here to trust in you only. I'm not going to turn to the trinkets the world has. I'm not going to turn to the treasures the world has. They only disappoint. I'll, I'll stay focused on you. Let's finish up the verse or the passage with this verse. Verse 5 at the end says this. All of this because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God in Christ poured out his love. He didn't give you a little and say, here, drink this, I'll give you some more. He didn't say, I'll give you some and see how you do with it. No, this, this word here for poured out means he, he poured out in its full form. He gave you the fullness of his love. He's not keeping some back to see how you do with it and then choose to love you some more later. He has poured out the fullness, the absolute fullness of his love. He has shown you in his son, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. This is how much he loves you. He has 
poured that out completely. He's poured it out for us. And he says, in our hearts. He puts it there. In the place where you've needed it the most. Not just in your bank account. Not just at your house. Not just in a few other things that have gone on in your life, on your job. But in your heart. In that place where you've struggled. In that place where you've feared. In that place where you, you don't show anybody else. There. He has poured out his love. Now, I want us to think about the last part of this verse as we finish up here today because he says this. It was by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is how you know the love of God. You know it by what you saw on the cross, but you know it experientially. Watch this. You know it experientially because the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in you when you believed. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's a person. It's part of the Trinity. And He comes in in His fullest form to live in you. And the Holy Spirit knows everything about you. You know how there's stuff right now that... <clears throat> The people sitting around you know about you, but then there are those things that they don't know about you, right? Hello? The Holy Spirit knows every one of those things. He knows them, and it's in their fullest form. He knows your struggles. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your frailties. He knows the areas where you're tempted. He knows your sin. He knows all of those, and He loves you. He also knows the fullest of God's heart, because He is God's heart. He is the Spirit of God, and He has been given to us, this verse says, given to us. You didn't earn Him, work for Him. Get a college degree to get him. You believe by faith and he was given to you. And so now as the one who knows the heart of God and who intimately knows you, he is the one who is pouring out the Father's love to you. He's the one who is speaking to you. He is the one who is reminding you of how deeply you are loved. He is the one that you have to choose to hear by faith in the midst of the storm. When the problems are mounting, when the confusion is great, the Holy Spirit speaks and He reminds you you have been justified by faith because of what Jesus has done. You've been brought into a place of grace and it was only by faith. And he reminds you. He speaks to you. And he speaks personally to you in a way <clears throat> that I can't even do this morning. I can speak from God's word but the Spirit has the power to take what is written 
and speak it in direct proportion to your need. I hear from people during the week at Vertical, and I love this, because <clears throat> I hear stories that people say, hey, let me tell you what God's been saying to me lately through this series. And someone will tell me this beautiful, rich truth. And I'm just, I'm just so grateful that God has spoken. Then I'll talk to someone else. i say, let me tell you what God said to me this past week through the message. Here's what I got. And they'll tell me something, and it will be completely different than what this person told me. Right? And then I'll talk to someone else, and they'll tell me something even different. And every one of them are true. Now, sometimes people tell me stuff, and I'm thinking, no, that is not what I said. <laughs> that is not what the Bible means when it says that. <clears throat> but... The Spirit of God speaks, and He is speaking today, right now. He is speaking to very real areas in our lives because there's not a person in this room who is not touched by a storm right now. Don't think you're sitting there alone and no one is like you this morning. You couldn't be more wrong. Every person in every seat today has experienced or is experiencing some storm and the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now to comfort you, to speak truth to you, to give hope to you, and to remind you, if you belong to Jesus Christ, there's peace. There's peace with God. Don't view this storm in the wrong way. Don't see it as Him against you. See Him in it. Our final truth today as we close is this. Storm chasers, hear the heart of God speak peace and glory over the sound of the storm. I can't wait <clears throat> for the weeks ahead for you to hear the real life stories of people here at Vertical who are in their storms, but they're choosing to hear God. They're choosing to listen to the Spirit instead of the winds, instead of the rain, instead of fear. This morning as we, um, as we come to a close, I want to do something different than we normally do. We're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you just to stay in your seat. No standing response time today, no counselors down front today. Our worship team has a song they're going to sing for us. You may know it, you may not. If you don't, that's fine. This is the moment for us to listen. Hear the words of the song, but hear the words of the Holy Spirit speaking to you today. Truth and peace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for comfort, for truth, and the fact that in Jesus Christ, we are secure. We have been forgiven. <clears throat> We've been justified, and we have been made at peace. Father, may that truth settle over us. May that truth change us. May that truth give us perspective. May that truth cause us to see you in a storm. 
May that truth cause us to chase you in the storm and know that we're going to be changed by you there. Spirit of God, speak to us this morning. Spirit of God, speak. Remind us of love. Remind us of what you've done. Remind us of what has been done for us in Christ. Remind us of what is ahead. Remind us of who we are in you. We come here to listen in the midst of the storm. We pray in Christ's name.